You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Audio Podcast. Well, if you have your Bibles, look with me to the book of Ephesians. Last week, we launched into this series, God's Work and Our Walk. Also, I might say, if you were not here, last week we gave out some devotionals. Our communications department did a phenomenal job putting together a little six-week devotional. So we have these available at the Connect Points. They're also available online. So if you just wanted to get one digitally, that's uh, on our website. But just a little tool, hopefully, to help you go deeper. And as I mentioned last week, while we're in this series, I would encourage you Maybe once or twice a week, read through the book of Ephesians and just kind of allow God's word to seep into your soul. That's going to help you as we work through this letter that Paul wrote to the believers at Ephesus. As I said last week, the Apostle Paul pioneered this church in the city of Ephesus. So he's like the spiritual father of this church. And so what we're going to look at this morning is two prayers that Paul prayed for the believers at Ephesus. And not only for the believers at Ephesus, I believe these prayers are for the believers at Grace Covenant as well. That the Holy Spirit prompted Paul in this prayer to reach uh, across generations. So it's really important that we understand this is not just for the believers because you could say, well, you know, that's just what Paul wanted for them. No, that's what Paul wants for us, for us. So turn to your neighbor and say, hey, Paul prayed about you. Go ahead and tell them. Well, as Paul pens these prayers that he's been praying, what we're going to discover is they were not prayers about gathering more, but uh, really prayers about being more. He wanted the believers to come to experience God more and, and in a greater way in their lives. There's a true story, true story of the late William Randolph Hearst. Maybe you're familiar with that name. He was a multi-multi-millionaire who made his millions um, in the news, as a newspaper publisher. And one of the things that, that Mr. Hurst enjoyed to do, one of his hobbies was collecting expensive pieces of art. So he had this uh, large collection of, of different pieces of artwork. And one day he was kind of thumbing through um, this catalog and he saw some expensive pieces of art that, that he didn't have. So he called his agent and he says, hey, I want you to find these two or three pieces of art. He says, I want to bring them into my collection. So wherever you have to go, money's really not an issue. Go find these pieces of art. And so the agent went on the several week um, process of, of trying to discover these pieces of art, traveled the States, even went to a couple other nations. And after about three weeks, he called Mr. Hurst and he says, hey, I, I found the pieces of art that you wanted. Mr. Hurst said, that's great. He says, yeah, they were in your own collection. Yeah. And Mr. Hurst, if he had actually looked at his catalog of the pieces of artwork that he had, he would have discovered that they were actually in his warehouse. As I read that story, I thought, is that not like us as Christ followers? In that God has great riches for us in his warehouse. Available for us to take advantage of. And that's why Paul is praying about um, the believers at Ephesus. That they would come to discover this riches of God's work on their behalf. 
The Apostle Paul desired that they would understand like the great wealth they had in Christ. He knew about their love. He knew about their faith. But he knew that there was more than just love and faith. That there, was, there was a greater work that God had for them. That's why he prayed for them and for us. And his prayer is, is, that, is that we would come to know God in a greater and a deeper way. He was having like this urgent conversation with God praying for his children. Now, I would assume, this is a bit of an assumption on my part, but I would assume if you have children or grandchildren, you consistently pray for them. Is, is that, so how many grandparents or parents do we have this morning in the room? Do you consistently pray for your children? Yes. Oh, sh- sure you do. As I do for our two children, Caleb and Grace. But when I pray for our children, I never pray that they would be famous. I never pray that they would have great riches and abundance of stuff. I never talk with God about that. But as their parent, I always talk with God about their potential and purpose. As a parent, I always pray that God would protect them from the deception and the distraction of the enemy. As a parent, I I always pray that they would come to know God in a greater way. Because at the end of the day, folks, that's what really matters. Not only in the lives of our children and grandchildren, but that's what really matters in our lives. But Paul wanted the same for the Ephesian believers. More than just being saved or getting saved, he wanted, he wanted them, he wanted us to truly experience the fullness of all that God is and all that God has for us. As I said last week, looking there to your notes, you are complete in Christ positionally. What does that mean? It means this. If you have accepted Christ as your Savior, then you are 100% saved. You're not partially saved. You're not on your way to salvation. No, you are, you are complete in Christ positionally. However... You only enjoy the grace and provision of God that you take hold of by faith. Listen, it's possible to know about God but not truly know God. Are you following me? It's possible to be completely saved and on your way to heaven yet not fully take advantage of what's rightfully yours through Christ. Uh, Let's say, for example, that I invited you to our home for a meal. And my wife and I, Charlotte and I, uh, sent an invitation. Hey, we, wanna, we want you to come to our home for a meal. And you responded by saying, yes, we would love to come to your house for a meal. So we define the day. We define the hour. And on that day, in that hour, you arrive at our home. Why? Because we extended an invitation and you responded to the invitation. So when you arrive at our home, we have this wonderful meal spread at the table for you. But you never came to the table. All of the food provided, but you never partook, you, you never, uh, partook of the food. Now, I, I know that's a, a ridiculous illustration. I know that would probably never happen. If you came to my house, you'd eat my food. <laughs> but I think that is often a picture of what happens for many Christ followers. We respond to the invitation, but we never come to the table. We show up because we've been invited, but we don't take advantage of what's been provided for us. The richness of the table that's been spread. So Paul here in his prayer is really praying for the believers in Ephesus, and I believe for the believers at Grace Covenant, that we would come to the table. 
And that we would take advantage of that we were that we would partake of what God has provided for. See, our relationship with God should be an ever-deepening and ever-expanding relationship as we come to experience more of who God is and his work for our lives. So Paul again, the spiritual father, prays these two great prayers for the Christ followers in Ephesus. And the focus of the prayers is, is really not that we would have more but that we would be more. He does not, Paul doesn't ask God to give us what we do not have. What's interesting is he prays that we would come to know what we already have. What's already been secured, what's already been provided for us. So, so let's read these two powerful prayers. The first one is in Ephesians 1. The second is in Ephesians 3. They're on the screen, but if you have your scripture there, you can follow along. Ephesians 1 verse 15, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our, our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may, get this, that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms far above all rule and authority, power and dominion and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed to him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Now, if you would turn to Ephesians chapter 3, here's the second prayer. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 for this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Well, the focus of Paul's two prayers is that we would not only be aware of the more that God has for us, but that we would be open, open to the Holy Spirit revealing God to us, that we would, that we would be spiritually hungry, and that spiritual hunger would draw us deeper into our knowledge and understanding of who God is, just as the physical hunger in your stomach drives you to the refrigerator, right? We all know where the refrigerator's at. So Paul's praying, may there be a spiritual hunger in our lives that draws us to a deeper knowledge and understanding 
of who God is. His prayer is that the Holy Spirit would bring, would bring greater revelation of God for us. As I said last week, if we don't know who we are as Christ followers and what's available to us, then we'll not take full advantage of what God's provided for us. Listen, if you don't go deep, you can't go high. So let's dig into Paul's prayer. And within this prayer, Paul prays for, for us to come to understand four spiritual realities. Four spiritual realities of who God is, of what he has for us. So the first thing that Paul prays for is that we would have a deeper understanding of who God is. If you look back to verse 17, Ephesians 1:17, Paul prays that we would know him better, that we would know God in a, in a greater way. What's interesting is that word know, K-N-O-W, that word know in the Greek text is is epigonosko. Now, I'm certainly not a Greek scholar by any means, but, but, this, but I did a little digging and I discovered this word epigonosko, to know, doesn't mean just to gather facts and information. It doesn't mean to um, gather more information about who God is. The word epigonosko, to know, literally means to know God intimately. It speaks of a knowing relationally. Not just that I have more information about who God is so I can play Bible trivia, but I know him in an intimate way because I have been with him. Been in his presence. I, I know him. You know, if you're a partner here at Grace Covenant, then we have your information in our database. It's called CCB. Um, I could, if, if I didn't know you, I could go to our database and I could find out all kinds of information about you. I could find out what year you were born. Some of you have been trying to hide your age. Listen, we know. I could find out what year you were born. If you have children or grandchildren, I could discover the names of your children. I could discover your address, your phone number. Um, if you've served at Grace, where you serve at Grace, I could, get, I could gather all kinds of facts, information about you from our database. But here's the question, do I know you? Not really. I have information about you, but I don't know you. But let's say I were to invite you to lunch, and we went and spent an hour and a half together and just had great food and great conversation. And in that conversation, I came to discover that you enjoy hiking. So we set a date, and we go on a hike, and we have further conversation. And then after that, a couple weeks later, we have coffee, and we have further conversation. At this point, I could say this, I know you. Why? Because I invested in relationship. More than just having facts, information about you, I came to know you relationally. And there's a difference. Paul's prayer for the believers at Grace Covenant is that we would come to know God in that way, that we would have a, a relational knowledge of who he is. And this is critical. It's critical because your understanding of who God is will determine your response and your relationship to him. The amount of trust you have in God depends on this. It depends on how you view him. How you view God will shape your relationship with him. For example, if you view our Heavenly Father as a demanding father who's waiting for you to mess up so he can zap you, how many of you know you're going you're gonna to withdraw from him, right? right? Are you with me? But if we view our Heavenly Father as He actually is, as loving and gracious and kind, and a God who's looking to bring His goodness in our lives, how many of you know you're drawn to 
a relationship with that kind of father. Your understanding of who God is will determine how you relate to him. But Paul says, I'm praying that you would, that you would know him better. A.W. Tozer, the great theologian, speaks of the value of us knowing God in, in this statement. I think it's there in your notes. He says, it's impossible to keep our moral practices sound and our inward attitudes right while our idea of God is erroneous or inadequate. If we would bring back spiritual power to our lives, we must begin to think of God more nearly as he is. So may we have an ever-expanding knowledge of, of God, not just the gathering of facts and information, but a knowing that draws us into a deeper relationship with him. That's, that's what Paul prays for, the first spiritual reality. Here's the second spiritual reality that Paul prays for us, is that we would be strengthened by and live, uh, we would be strengthened by and live out the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. In Ephesians 1.19 if you look back to the scripture, Paul prays that we, would, that we would know the incomparably great power for us who believe. And then Ephesians 3.16, he prays that we would be strengthened by power through his spirit. Where? In our inner being. And Paul wants believers to, to know and experience and to live out the power that's made available to us from the Father. Listen, we don't, have, we don't accept Christ as our Savior and then, then we're left on our own to figure it out on our own. So here's the good news today. What We have help. We have help 24-7. We have the Holy Spirit to help us, to empower us. And Paul's praying, may our eyes be open to understand and may we be willing to embrace that of the work of the Holy Spirit. Interesting, if you look to the Gospel of Luke, the last chapter, I think it's chapter 24, Following Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection, before he ascended, he told the disciples this. He said, go to Jerusalem. Don't leave Jerusalem until you receive what the Father's promised. Until you receive the Holy Spirit. What Jesus talked about in Luke 24 happens in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. As the 120 were gathered in the upper room, the Holy Spirit was given. The Holy Spirit was poured out. And the disciples' lives those early Christ fathers, their lives were radically transformed. They went from hiding in fear to being bold in their proclamation of Jesus. Miracles began to happen. The supernatural began to happen. I mean, read the book of Acts. The very things that Jesus did, now the disciples are doing. They began to radically serve one another by the power of the Holy Spirit. And what's interesting, from that 120 gathered in the upper room, in a short period of time, the then known world was turned upside down by the power of the Holy Spirit operating in the lives of the believers. Paul says, I want you to know that kind of power. I want you to have that kind of experience. You see, what happened in the book of Acts was not just for the believers then. It's also for us today. Amen? It's the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit but in the church and in the life of a believer today. And that's why Paul's praying that we would be open and responsive to and, and live out the power, the dynamic of the Holy Spirit. You know, last week, last week we talked about how the Holy Spirit seals us. That, that guarantee, that deposit, excuse me, that deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. Not only does the Holy Spirit seal us, let, let me give you three other works or three other roles of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit indwells us. 
when you accepted Christ as your Savior, that the Spirit of the living God came to reside in you. So 24-7, again, well, you have God with you. Now is the Holy Spirit indwell us, the Holy Spirit instructs us. If you can think of it like this, you have a spiritual tutor. Jesus said this in John 16, the Spirit will guide you into all truth. So we have a teacher. The third, the third role of the Holy Spirit is to empower us that we might effectively, victoriously walk out our faith life. In Acts 1.8, Jesus said, but you receive power, you receive this dynamic when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So the Holy Spirit empowers us again to supernaturally live out the faith, to victoriously live out our faith life. There's a true story. Going back some years, Pasadena, California, it was New Year's Day, the Rose Bowl Parade. How many of you have ever seen the Rose Bowl Parade? Well, several years ago, Rose Bowl Parade excitement, celebration. People had lined the streets as they do for the Rose Bowl Parade. And the parade's coming along. And all of a sudden, it, the parade came to a halt. It stopped. No one could figure out what the problem was. Finally, they discovered that one of the automobiles pulling one of the floats had run out of fuel. It stopped. Stopped everything. Interesting thing about the story is the float represented the mobile oil company. <laughs> With its vast resource of fuel, the automobile pulling that float ran out of fuel. May that not be true of our lives. We have a vast resource, the power of the Holy Spirit available for us, who resides in us to manifest Jesus through us. But we got to plug into the source. So don't allow, don't allow your theology of God to limit God. Depending on your background, and I don't know all of your backgrounds, I don't know all of your training, what you were raised in, and maybe you have no training as it relates to this, but this is what often happens is we create these little theological boxes and we try to place God in our theological box, defining how he can work in our lives. And can I tell you something this morning, friends? God is bigger than your box. So don't limit his work. Paul's praying for you, for us as believers here at Grace Covenant, is that we would know, that we would live in and live out the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Here's the third spiritual reality that Paul prays for us is that we would know the greatness of God's love. In Ephesians 3.17, Paul prays that we would be rooted and established in love and that we would be able to grasp, get this, how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Like this unending, ever-flowing, overflowing love, the love of God for us. In the northern part of the state of Arkansas, just north of where I grew up, there's a town called Mammoth Springs. Mammoth Springs, Arkansas. And it's named Mammoth Springs because of the famous natural spring that's there. That's called the Mammoth Springs. It's the seventh largest natural spring in the world today. And get this. Every hour it is gushing out an average of 9 million gallons of water. 
Is that not an astounding number? Nine million gallons. That means in a 24-hour period, in a one-day period, it's pumping out 216 million gallons of water every day. Never stops. There's this constant, abundant flow of life-giving water. And when I think of, of God's love for us, it's kind of like the Mammoth Springs. There's this unending flow. There's this overflow of life-giving love. And Paul wants us to know and experience this love. To, again, to live in and live out the love. He, knowing the love of God transforms us. And this is what it does. It enables us to live his love out to others. The more we come to experience and know God's love, the more we're able to live in and live that love out in practical ways in our relationships with others. See, the, the love of God manifested through our lives will enable us to do at least four things. The first is to overlook the faults of others. Are any of you in relationship with individuals who have faults? Are you married? Let's start there. It's love that enables us to overlook the faults of others. If not, we become negative nitpickers. The love of God in us, according to Proverbs 10, 12, helps us over, overlook the faults of others. In other words, it brings grace into our relationships. The love of God manifested through our lives will enable us to forgive those who've wronged us. How many of you know forgiveness at times can be tough? But as we experience the love of God and the forgiveness of God, then we're able then to live that out. We're able to let it go. What, our lives have been transformed by God's love. The love of God manifested through our lives will enable us to reach out to those in need. It's the love of God, the love that we've experienced that motivates us to act, to, to do this, to move toward people in need. And I believe the love of God manifested through our lives will enable us to be a witness of Christ to the world. So Paul's prayer is that we would come to know God's love, to experience God's love, to live deeply in God's love so that then we could live his love out. And we could live that love out to others. The final spiritual reality that Paul prays for us is that we would live in and live out the fullness of God. Paul ends his second prayer with this awesome, this awesome benediction. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine, according to his power that's at work in us, to him, to him be the glory. Folks, here's the good news today. God is able. Amen? Amen. God is able. There's nothing, absolutely nothing beyond his ability he lacks in no way. All things, all things are possible with him. There's no limit to what God can do. However, however, oftentimes we limit God through our thinking and our actions. We take an all-powerful God and we restrict his work and we restrict his power. And Paul's prayer is simply this, that we would remove the things that limit God's work and that we would experience his fullness in our lives. God desires to do immeasurably more in and through our lives as we seek Him, as we submit to Him, as we humbly live before Him. 
So may we live, may we, may we live in the fullness of all that God has for us on a daily basis. May we not take a big God and make him small by how we live. But may we live in such of a way that God manifests his greatness in and through our lives. It was Dr. Bill Bride who said, when we truly see God as he is, our lives, our lives will be forever changed. So I challenge you today with this truth. God is more than you know, and he has more for you than what you've experienced. Let me say it again. Some of you, maybe some of you in a pastor, I've been walking with Jesus for 40 years. Listen, maybe you've been walking with Jesus for 60 years. This is what I know. There's more, there's more about God yet that you have, that, that's yet for you to experience. And he has more for you than what you've presently experienced, walked out in your life. So don't settle for status quo Christianity. Live your life in pursuit of God and make it your priority to know God more. Listen, for some of you, he's calling you to get out of the shallow end of the pool and to jump in the deep end. Why? Because there, there's more. That's what Paul was praying. Not that we would just have some status quo relationship with Christ. He's saying, no, may you experience the expanse, the greatness of all that God is and all that God has for you. May you experience that of the dynamic of his Holy Spirit, the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. May it be evident in your life. Well, this morning as we conclude, I thought a great way for us to conclude would be actually to pray Paul's prayer personally for our lives. Now, I know that you can read words on a screen and they have no meaning to you. I understand that. But this morning, I, I want to invite you to join me in praying a prayer that's actually a compilation of these two prayers. And that this would be, this would be our heartfelt request and response request of God. God, bring this in our lives personally. Bring this for our church family corporately. I'm going to ask if you would stand to your feet. We actually have this prayer that we're about to pray. We have it available for you at the connect points. If you would like to pick one of these up, I would encourage you. This is a great prayer to pray every day. It's about not having more, but it's a prayer about being more. It's a prayer about God bringing his greatness in your life and for your life. So if you're here this morning and you would just say, you know, Pastor, I'm open. I'm open for more of God. I'm willing to get out of the shallow end of the pool and jump into the deep end. If that's you, I invite you to pray this prayer with me out loud this morning. It's on the screen. Would you pray this with me? Glorious Father, I come to you today with freedom and confidence. I trust the work you are doing in my life, and I thank you for all your goodness to me. God of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I ask you again that you would give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation that I may truly know you and know you better. 
May the eyes of my heart be open so I intimately understand the hope you have called me to, the glorious inheritance you have provided for me, and the incomparable power you have given me as your child. I thank you that the same mighty strength and power that raised Jesus from the dead is alive and working in me until all of your life fills all of my life in every way. Strengthen me with the power of your Holy Spirit so that Christ would live within me today in a greater way than I've ever known. Root me and establish me in the power of your love Help me live into the extravagant expanse, the great length, width, height, and depth of the love of Christ. I'm open and receive your full measure today. Help me live out your expansive love in my relationships with others. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. But well, my prayer today is that you would experience and be open to. Listen, this is what I've come to experience in my own life. When I come expecting, I'm, I'm met in my expectation. When I come hungry, I never leave disappointed. Well, because God is faithful. Well, I encourage you in this week, I'll leave you with this. I encourage you this week to live in expectancy. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.